Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I had never heard of mud larking before, but having learned about it after today, I got to say, it makes the mud and chaos of my ordinary life feel that much more meaningful. Yep, here's the story of how I went digging in the mud, and now I have a treasure box of broken china. Yep, it looks like brokenness, just bits and pieces, but these pieces speak to me of wholeness. So, get comfy, friends. Here we go. Well, I believe this is part three in a three-part conversation, a new series, which is our fancy podcast speech for Lisa Joe and I had a great conversation and couldn't stop talking and decided to keep going. Yes. Right, Lisa Joe? <laughs> there you go. Yes. So it's like, has got as many parts as we figure out by the end. <laughs> exactly. And I just have to do a little shout out to our miracle worker, um, a helper assistant, fairy godmother, Emily, who yes. is a gift from God to us, who keeps us organized, who helps us with so much. And um, I loved her sweet voice on Voxer last week, just reminding us that it would help her help us if we let her know when we were going to do a series. <laughs> and then I had to tell her, oh, Emily, we never know. It just happens. <laughs> She's so great. She does help shape us into a better package so we can better serve our listeners. Um, But really, at its heart, this podcast is two friends chatting about the deepest, most important things, and then um, just the glee and joy of getting to share that with you, which was really special this week, Lisa Joe. Our last last week's conversation, um, d- really digging deep into an experience I had on a uh, recent visit to England, clearly touched a chord. I, um, I often, and I know you do too, get to hear from listeners, um, either through reviews online or messaging on social media or sending emails, letting us know um, yeah, when something has really touched them, but I saw many more of these messages and notes this week. And one in particular, um, I'm not going to name her because she sent me an email, so it's not a public review, um, which we love it when you share publicly. We love it when you email us privately. But um, this message, um, uh, I'll just say, so she knows her name starts with an A. <laughs> if that's you, if you sent me an email and your name starts with an A, you'll recognize your words. Um, a longer email, but one thing she said, she said, Thank you. Actually, let me just preface this. The kind of, you know this, Lisa Joe. the kind of encouragement a friend gives where you feel seen, right? Where you realize you didn't even share something with them, but but you realize in what they say that they have seen you yes. and they're acknowledging what they've seen. So yeah. that's what I felt reading this email. She says, thank you for still making this podcast amidst all that you do amongst the challenges of book writing and publishing and home building and family through exhaustion and overwhelm. Thank you for sharing your stories and friendship with Lisa Joe. You both bless me and encourage me so much each week. I wish I could give something back to you. Oh my gosh, that's so we're such whiners. It's so nice. It's almost like thank you for continuing despite how much you complain. (laughs) (laughs) It meant so much, Lisa Joe. I felt seen. I felt like I I felt like, oh, this is a real friend sitting across the table who sees, yes, it has been hard. And there have been times where we have thought, can we keep going? everything, not just podcasts, right. but, you know, let's be honest, the podcast is something that we we have the choice we could choose to not do. And right. yes, it, it has at times been hard to press in. And yet through our listeners, especially, God keeps reminding us that 
it matters. It matters that we continue. And oh man, I really felt it this week reading her email. Oh. Thank you, A, for writing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I got a message too um, in my direct messages on Instagram. So you're always welcome to message us there. We love it. I am at Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. We reread your messages. And this is from, I won't say her last name, but I think I can say her first name. This is from Caroline. And she said, just listen to your soul rest part two, which made me chuckle because I was like, oh, look, we did have parts. (laughs) Listeners realized, and Emily. (laughs) And she said, wow, it was just beautiful. It was so affirming and life-giving and touched me deeply where I didn't know I needed it. The last 10 minutes were just amazing. And that means a lot because often it's those last 10 minutes of the conversation where it often feels like the Holy Spirit is doing the work of connecting dots that we didn't realize we were getting to. And it touches us the most as well. <laughs> so it's really, it's really meaningful. And if you haven't listened to last week, it's worth going back. We talk a lot about this idea of our souls and our bodies and how sometimes we can push our bodies so hard that our souls can feel a can feel left behind and what does it mean to rest in such a way that our souls catch up to our bodies so caroline i'm so glad that resonated with you because it resonated with us too it was helpful for us yeah it's interesting that i feel like the last 10 minutes of each podcast those are the that's the least planned part of the conversation because we've landed somewhere where we've we have no idea that's where we were headed (laughs) and she's right it's often the best because that's when it's not us doing the talking anymore, but just as we've listened through the conversation, you're right. Hopefully, um, I won't make a claim for every week, but quite often I've experienced that where I felt like, wow, where did that come from? How did we end up there? Oh my gosh, I had no idea. That's where the story was taking us, which tells me it's not me. (laughs) Right. It is the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So if you feel inspired to like send us a message, also, please bring that joy and inspiration over to the reviews. <laughs> It'd be really nice if you leave them for us there too, because that way other people can see why you've enjoyed the podcast and it encourages folks to tune in. And um, we just don't take it lightly that there are people sitting around the table here with us when we have these conversations. So you can generally leave a review you know, wherever you listen to podcasts on whatever app you use. There's usually a pretty quick, easy little box that you can fill out. And we read those. We really do. So thank you in advance. Mm-hmm. I will say, Lisa Joe, you're really good at keeping up and reminding me that they're there. And then you read them to me and then I remember and then I go and read them. Yeah. I don't know why I forget that they're there, but you always remind me and yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, because it, I guess I every now and again need to hear back from the people that are listening. I like to know I'm not just having a conversation with the black void of the Internet. And it's nice to know that there are people with their own stories and their own struggles and just knowing they're there is that's the best part of what we do. So it's really, mm-hmm. really love hearing from you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me realize. So the email I just read where she said, I wish there's something I could give you. And of course, I'm thinking in that email she did, right? She right. gave that encouragement. But we all know like love languages and so on. We know about gifts of verbal affirmation. And so that is actually a tangible gift you yes. can give us. Yes. Is a gift of verbal affirmation, yeah. even if it's written out, you know, it's not spoken. Um, and so, yeah, so grateful for everyone who did that this week and looking forward to to digging a little deeper, mm-hmm. literally, mm. as I tell you, about mudlarking in Barnwell, Northamptonshire. <laughs> I, like, I feel like all of the words you just said sound like a different language. Say them again slowly. 
<laughs> yes, we're going to dig deeper. So the story that we started, I guess, week before last, this soul body story that took us to England, we're going to head back to England. So I mentioned it last week when I was telling the story. Um, and, you know, you're welcome to keep listening to this episode if you missed last week. I do think you might want to hit pause yeah. Yeah. and go back and listen to part two. Um even if you don't go back to listen to part one, at least listen to part two, and you'll have, I think, the right context for, for this week. So go ahead. If you haven't listened last week, hit pause. We'll still be here. Um, but yes, last week when I was um, sharing about um, our family tree and what we discovered in England, um, I mentioned how that night at dinner when we realized, oh my gosh, this place where this ancestor was born is right here. And then um, our um, friend and guide, Kyle Campbell of Sudden Journeys, was right outside the restaurant and she drove us to Barnwell and we got to explore the church at, at dusk just as, as it was becoming fully dark and have that special moment. Um, she said to me, oh, we're going there in two days. It's on our itinerary, which brings me back to the craziness that John and I had so little context <laughs> for what we were doing and where we were going. That is how how, um, how just tired and overwhelmed we were going into this trip that, I, of course, we had read the itinerary, but because that village name didn't mean anything to us at the time, you know, it hadn't stuck in our heads. So when we saw it on the family tree, we didn't realize, oh yeah, that's that's where we're going to be. And the reason it was on our itinerary is that Kyle had planned um, uh, with a friend of hers who lives in Barnwell for our whole little group to go mudlarking. So that was the word you heard. <laughs> Which is I a funny, it. fancy word, essentially for playing in the mud. Nice. The <laughs> but with the a grown purpose. up version. Totally the grown up version. And I'll be honest, it was a part of the itinerary where I thought, okay, we'll be outside in a little village. Okay. I can do that. But other than that, it, it didn't, I didn't think it hold any, it didn't hold any special appeal. Um, I was wrong. Let me just put that out there. So what mud mudlarking is, um, I should have looked up a proper definition, but I'll just give you my own definition. Essentially, um, it is sort of digging <laughs> through the mud of like a stream bed or a river bed, looking for very old garbage, but <laughs> garbage like you know, um, bits of Victorian pottery or just bits of ephemera from history. Um, the thing is, you know, long ago, there weren't landfills. And so, um, you know, in places that have a long-lived history, even on my farm here, actually, we're the, the old farmhouse here, we're pretty sure we have found the area where they had a, a trash pile, a rubbish heap, because when we dig there, we're always finding like glass bottles and old belt buckles and rusty bits of things. And um, and so it's very similar concept that people way back when might have either just tossed a broken cup or a broken bit of pottery onto a pile where it eventually might have, the rain might have washed it into a stream, or they might have actually just tossed it into the stream. So especially after a rain, when kind of new water is is flowing through an area, you're constantly getting bits of the past popping up. And, um, and so you, not only can you find some really amazing, tangible material connections with the past, you can just find little, little beautiful bits and pieces. And, um, and so this 
woman, I think we'll actually link to her because she's an artist. So we will link to her in our show notes so that you can see some of what she's created. Um, But this lovely woman who lives in Barnwell, she goes mudlarking. She finds gorgeous little bits and pieces of old china and pottery, old clay pipes, just, you know, all this, these delicious old bits and pieces. And then she uses that as inspiration to create some really beautiful art. So we were going to go mudlarking. Wait, so well, it's it turns, not, so it's like archaeology essentially. A like bit, you're like digging yeah, through the trash yeah. pile. I mean, that is what archaeology is. That's so yeah. cool. Archaeology. Yeah. Archaeologists for a morning. But mudlarking exactly. makes it sound more fun. But that is that's fascinating. Yeah, very cool. And she even had um uh, a big uh, sort of printout with little images of pottery and so that we could like find a if we found a piece we might even be able to kind of look at this visual guide and realize like oh my gosh I have some blue and white willow from the 18th century or I oh I found a clay pipe well based on the shape I know it's from the 1600s or it's from the early you know 20th century or whatever um, but it was kind of a cool so it really was yeah archaeology um, and and then it's the context, it's the setting. So it's not like digging through a pile of sand with a toothbrush, which to me seems a bit tedious. <laughs> Instead, it's pull on your wellies and stand in this beautiful stream that is running through this gorgeous, picturesque village. And so we were literally like under, we were mudlarking under the bridge that Jonathan and I had just walked across that oh, I described last goodness. week in order to visit this church. So the church is above us. We're under this bridge. We're in this stream. We've got our wellies on. And so when we went to do the mudlarking, the thing, the activity that hadn't really captured my imagination, well, now totally did because I'm thinking, I want to find a piece. Oh. I want to find at least one little piece of something oh. interesting because it will connect us yes. now tangibly to this place where we're connected, right? Wow. By our name, Lisa Joe. I, so we get there, we have our instructions. She gave us these little linen bags to keep oh any findings, gosh, you know, so that, that we get. So I, with a few others, and I'm not, I'm not pushing ahead. I still don't really understand how this will work, but somehow I end up kind of with the group in the front and we step into the stream and I look down and I find a piece of blue and white willow china. It's just right there. And I just pick it up and I say, I found something like already. (laughs) And then I, I start walking through the stream and I just keep finding things like bits of china and pottery and things with cool old patterns where you can tell, oh my gosh, this was a china teacup or this this was clearly a clay pipe, you know, from a gentleman in the, you know, 1800s. And I found so much stuff it would not fit into my little linen bag. It was wild. And then afterwards, she invited us into her home where she served us squash and biscuits. And I had to tell her if there if there's anyone here, especially Americans, who... um who read British books, then you know squash because you read about this drink in every book you read. But like me, you have never tasted it. Oh, orange squash. Is that what you mean? Well, in England, you can get squash in any kind of flavor. So we had lemon. I think we had lemon squash. Oh, yes. I thought you meant but, yes. like the vegetable at first. Uh, right. So, no, like, no, when, no. Which they would call a courgette. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because in South Africa, we have it too, but it would always have like the, the, the adjective ahead of it. So it would be orange squash or lemon squash or so, you yes. know, like what flavor. That's... <laughs> 
squash. Yeah, she just so called funny. it. She just called it squash. Wow, and then a so number cool. of people had to say, "Well, what is what is squash? Like, tell <laughs> yes. us about this." And she she was saying, "Well, you don't have it." And so, and we realized, well, the closest we have is like we have powders, That's but right. we don't have like the little cordials or the little liquid concentrate. That, you know, yeah. the little concentrate. Yeah, yeah. But of course, I've you know read about orange squash and other you know just all the squashes <laughs> in all my reading. It's such a weird word. And I've always imagined it. it. Why would the drink have been called that? It's so odd. Yeah, I've always imagined, um, you know, like a crystal light lemonade. And it was it was good to realize, oh, I wasn't too far off, uh-huh. but it's better. It's better. <laughs> anyway, so we had squash and biscuits and to drink and biscuits in her um, beautiful little garden. And, um, and I got to bring home these pieces of Barnwell. Well, Lisa Joe, it did not even end there. So that was just this most delightful day. And um, that week as well, Kyle um, said to Jonathan and I, she said, you know, so our, our plan for the whole group was to leave on Sunday to head back to London. And um, she said, you know, um, I don't, I wouldn't mind driving you separately to the train station, just basically um, having you miss, you know, the coach ride back to the train station if you wanted to attend church at the the village church in Barnwell. So the church where we'd visited, the church where then we had stood beneath in the stream mudlarking, um, she said, would you like to go to church there? You know, they have a service late morning. And so, of course, Jonathan and I said, yes, oh my goodness, if you'd be willing to help us do that. And um, so, Kyle's husband drove us to church that morning. And literally, we pull, like, we pull up to the front door as one woman is racing in and the church bells are ringing. I'm oh like, my oh. gosh, like a scene from a movie. <laughs> it totally was. It totally was. So, we slipped in. And um, oh, Lisa Joe, I mean, that was just the beginning. So much of it was like uh, a movie. A sp- the the most delightful woman greeted us because of course we stood out as yes. strangers you know in this small congregation and she had the loveliest hat she's an older woman and just um the loveliest voice and and in my story i'm telling about her you know she's she's just li- the village matron who's lived there you know for so many years and um was so kind in greeting us and hearing that we'd come so far you know from philadelphia so so the it was all wonderful. But then here's what happened as we sat there that really, yeah, it, it was just wild. So um, in many ways, the in many ways, the service was familiar to us. You know, Jonathan and I worship and have for many years in a church that also belongs to the Anglican communion, just like the Church of England. So, um, you know, it was lovely to see how many, um, how much of the liturgy was very familiar to us. Of course, the setting was just incredible. I mean, that ancient, ancient church and um, just to be in there and to think about the generations and even generations that, you know, were connected to us, like Jonathan's own flesh and blood ancestors in that space. I mean, it it just um, blew our minds for so many reasons. But then, um, so if any of you, you know, belong to a more liturgical church, you know that the the homily and also just the theme of the liturgy will revolve around the lectionary readings. So each Sunday has readings set aside um, or determined for that day, which is why Christians around the world on any given Sunday are many of them reading the same Psalms, the same Old Testament readings, the same gospel reading, the same, you know, epistles. And so, 
um, our preacher for this day was, you know, reading Jesus's words about being the good shepherd. Well, um, that was meaningful given our week in the English countryside, our jaunts through, you know, the hillsides amongst the sheep, you know, it was a very beautiful, meaningful passage anyway. But then through his sermon, he just kept emphasizing, he kept repeating this refrain, the good shepherd knows you by name. The good shepherd knows you by name. And it wasn't something he said once. (laughs) He would tell a story, he'd move on, and then he would just come back and like look out at the congregation. The good shepherd knows you by name. And here Jonathan and I are in this service participating in this worship really for one reason only, and that is because of our name. That is because this week, we, through these crazy circumstances, discovered that our name, Purifoy, has deep roots in this place and in this village and in this community and perhaps with this church even. And then to have this, this, um, you know, pastor up there who does not know us, who has no idea why we're there, to just keep keep, keep looking at us saying, the good shepherd knows you by name, and he finds his sheep, and he cares for his sheep, and he gathers his sheep, because he knows you by name. (laughs) Jonathan and I would not look at each other. I was like, I cannot look at him while I am hearing this over and over. I cannot look at him. And so, we didn't. And then afterwards, I think we just both looked, turned to each other and said, like, can you believe that? Can you believe that? But of course, like a God who could orchestrate this whole trip for us, this whole experience for us, a God who could use, who, um, you know, Kyle Campbell would allow herself to be used um, to, to knowing that she didn't know what this trip would mean to all of us or what it would do in our lives. And yet she becomes this servant, this vessel that God uses to work all kinds of, you know, wonderful things Um to have that just brought home in, not only to sit in that church, but have it brought home through every aspect of of the service that day, that absolutely visceral reminder that this is true, like He is a good shepherd. And I had this picture, um, I don't know, I guess when I think of Jesus as good shepherd and us as His sheep, of course, I think of Psalm 23, and I just think it's a nice metaphor. And of course, I just picture like, I'm a sheep and Jesus is right here with his crook and like keeping me safe. And, you know, so it's always been very meaningful. But this time I had this sense of like the whole world and all of us on it. And there's so many of us and there's such chaos and we're just wandering all over the place, right? And we're going to England and we're living in Pennsylvania and we're going here and we're going there and our lives are pulling us in all these directions. And I just had this sense of Jesus, the good shepherd, like literally (laughs) has us all. (laughs) his hands like he's like it is not just me and Jesus side by side it is of course but I just had this like big cosmic picture of what it means for him to be a shepherd for everyone and everything that is happening in this crazy big world of us that it doesn't matter how far we fly how far we wander where we end up um, whether we're making our choices with care or we're just launching ourselves into things, like he is still the good shepherd who knows us by name and can find us anywhere. It doesn't matter how far we go. Um, and so I feel like my picture of the good shepherd who knows us and cares for us is just like, just blown up so, so big. Um, it's still that small intimate picture. And it's also this just enormous, beautiful, cosmic 
Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. That somehow all of the details that we don't know, like the level, the, the level right. of detail at which he knows us mm-hmm. is more mm-hmm. than we know ourselves. I think that's what strikes me about stories like this, because we think it's easy to say, oh, God doesn't care about that, you know, small thing that happened right. to me today or a thing I'm striving right. with or And yet when you hear stories like this, you realize, no, not only does he care, but he knows you at a level that's generational. Like he understands your generational story. Yes. Like it's across and future. Like he knows you, your people, your name, your DNA, your travels, your struggles, like your family story. Like he is... He's generationally invested in you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is so astonishing. And every now and again, and always feels to me like a love letter from him. It's as if he brings you aside and he's like, hey, come here. Like, you think I don't care what happened to you at Costco today? Listen to me. A hundred years ago, I already cared about you. Come and meet your ancestors because I'm going to sit you down in the village church where your name Mm -hmm. originated to prove to you how much I love you at Costco today. Like it's the wildest thing that he every now and again lets you into the secret of the depth of his knowledge of you. Because we can't hold it in our minds. There's no way for us to know generationally across time and space and stories and continents and bloodlines. But he actually holds those things, all of them. Mm-hmm. All of it. <laughs> I love that he lets you into the secret in that in that way and on that day. Right. Because it's not only this geographical hugeness today, like, oh, he's got the whole world in his hands today. He's got the whole world, as you put it, past, future, like all of history, all all those tracing lines that that end up with me and Jonathan sitting in this church. Um, that I think that that is what I caught a vision for, that it goes all the way back and all the way forward, this pattern of which we're a part. And he's got all of that mm. in his hands right. is amazing. We are just the people in the mud. Like we can pick up the shards, right? Like here's yeah. the little piece. Yes. Like even that moment yes. of you being in the church is still just a tiny piece, but it's beautiful and meaningful. But like he he holds the full story, the whole pieces. Right. But he yeah. lets us in to those moments. And I was thinking as someone who spent the last four years writing memoir, when you were talking about digging through the trash heap, I mean, that Mm -hmm. is what writing is or thinking or praying. It feels like digging through the trash heap of our lives for the shards of beauty, like that this moment of stumbling intentionally on pieces of a puzzle and then having a moment where you get a glimpse of the whole. And in those moments, it always takes my breath away because it really does feel like the God's eye view. He's like, look, I saw all along. I know all along. And it helps you trust him with next week because you get a sense of, oh, he, you know, hundreds of years has known and held and loved and shaped and formed and there's been direction and purpose. And so when I think about what's coming up, I get a sense in which I can trust him. Like it's like building on (laughs) the trust muscle because he's always held the whole thing. I have the little broken bits and pieces, but he has the whole beautiful story. 
Mm -hmm. I know. It's good to connect it back to the mudlarking. So what I did, so I, I got all these beautiful bits and pieces and I brought them home, which was funny because Jonathan and I realized, oh, we cannot pack this in our carry-on. Like some of these shards are very sharp. <laughs> we don't want these to be taken from us. So we wrapped them up and we essentially, we checked two bags and we just had them all sort of in the middle of all our clothes and stuff in these two suitcases. So when we got home, we unpacked it. And um, I wasn't sure what I would do with it, but um, obviously it felt so meaningful because I'd found it and it had this connection with this place. It was like a bit of the place that we could bring home with us. And so I found these, um, it, I think it's actually meant to be a jewelry box, but it's all glass. So so the frame of it is like gold or whatever, but essentially it's a, it's a see-through jewelry yeah, box, right? Yeah. And so on the bottom is like some linen. And I guess it's for people who have nice jewelry, I yeah, guess, who want to look sure. at it. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I guess if you have nice jewelry, you could put it in this box. And then not only do you have a place to store it, but you can see it. You yeah, know. display case. Um, display, right? I don't know. I don't have such things. But um, I have my flowers. Um, but I found this jewelry box. And so what I did is, yeah, I just I just laid the pieces in, into these little compartments on the little linen. And um, it's kind of funny. So, and I have it on a table in our front room. And I'm sure to anyone looking at it, it must look so bizarre, right? Like, what is this like treasure box, this glass treasure box full of broken bits of china? It looks like I'm memorializing some really terrible day in the kitchen where like all the <laughs> all the dishes went flying. <laughs> um but it isn't because I know the story, right? I know um, I know that these aren't just bits and pieces, but they're actually little emblems of connection, right? Like I put them on display because this is is a, like a tangible something that connects us to a place that we already were connected to. We just didn't know its name. We didn't know it was there. Um, we didn't have this bigger sense of our own story and the story of our name. Um, and now we do. And so these bits of broken pottery in China, to me now are telling this story of reconnection and reintegration, which is something that we talked about last week, that when body and soul are... Um, Feet, well, of course, they're not really, but when we feel like we've left our soul behind, we're just these bodies, you know, functioning, trying to meet the next deadline, trying to do the next thing. Um, what we need through rest, through returning to God's rest, is to be put to back together, yeah. right? That's to so be good. reintegrated. Mm. And, um, and I think ultimately that's what this story is about, but it still might look on this side of things, like a glass box full of bits and pieces. <laughs> like there's an element of, uh, of understanding, of trust, of faith um, that says, I know that this is, this is saying something different, but it, it, it isn't as if these, these bits of China I found, I can now glue them back together and have a cup. Right. That, that isn't how it works. It's still just bits <laughs> in a glass box. And yet it means, it means something connected. It means something whole. Um, but sometimes we, we have to take some of it on faith. Like we're not yet to the place where we get to see the whole thing all put together. Um, but to have a bit of faith to know, like I've been shown enough that I know like one day there is this revealing, there is this wholeness that is all the way through time and place and all of it. Um, but for now, I, I have my glass 
My glass box of bits. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of the my favorite translation of that famous verse about faith is that faith is the substance Ooh, of things yeah. unseen. So, Ooh, isn't oh, that great? that's what I have. Yes. I have the substance of things yet unseen. Yes, because <laughs> you can't see the rest of that cup or pot, but because you have that piece of it, you know it existed. And so, faith. I had a friend when she, when we were talking about this particular verse, she said it's sort of like when you're at the I haven't done it because it would be too scary for me, but those high-rise buildings that have a glass floor that you can walk out and you just look yes, down and there's never. nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm never doing that. Yeah. But no, no. It's that idea that there is substance to it. Like you can stand on it. It will hold you even if you can't see it. Like it's there. And so I love that idea of faith and of being put back together because in our own lives, you might not get to see yet the side of eternity, those people or what their stories were like or how they directly connected with yours, but or how Christ was moving in your family the whole time. But you that substance of things unseen, one day we will see those things. Like you will have the full story of it. And I love that God, because he's so generous, he is constantly giving us, he's trying as much as our mortal minds can handle it. He's trying to download to us, look like you can see, see how you're connected. Um, and so just the idea that there is substance there, it might be unseen the rest of the sh- the cup, but but it's there. Like we know it, there's a substance to it. Absolutely. And the Good Shepherd sees it. And um, it's sort of like, you know, the the email I opened up with like that, how good it feels to know that we're seen. Um, even the things that we felt like have gone unseen, like our effort or our pain or our joys, whatever it is, um, to have those moments where, oh, no, someone sees. And I think that's what I'm bringing, really unpacking from this trip to England is the sense that, oh, no, I am always seen always known beyond even my own attempts to see and know myself. Um, and and it is a trustworthy gaze and a loving gaze and a right. loving knowing. It really does um, right. it really does change everything. And so I think maybe I will do Emily a favor and indicate that I think this conversation has maybe two more parts to it still. Okay. There are are two things I (laughs) think we'd like to talk about. One of them is this notion that you talked about, Christy. It's like these parts of yourself coming together. And it's what I've been working on the last three years, this idea that there are parts out there. And first, let me just pause and say it is a deep treasure to me to have a place where I've been able to process sort of in real time the experience of writing this memoir that has been the weightiest thing I've done with what feels like an intimate community. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it feels like, I don't know, I'm just imagining like five of you. And so it feels safe to just share it a little bit here, not as part of like a big release strategy or marketing. It's just a place where I can have conversations about what's been a really big part of my life. But as I have finished, and actually next week we'll hit send on the final, final version of substantive edits that it's gone through, I don't know, six, seven, eight rounds now. It will it will go into the world. And so next week will be a great time to talk about how a lot of people have said to me, you know, not a lot, the small group who know me and my family and friends have said, wow, you must just feel like, actually, the word my cousin used was shattered. Do you just feel shattered here at the end? And I said, no, I feel put back together is the best way to describe it. This, it was shattering. It was shattered Mm -hmm. in the beginning. 
But now I have gathered all of these pieces and in putting them together to write this book, I feel whole in a way I wasn't expecting. And and so I think that will be a great conversation to have yeah. next week. And then I think maybe the last one in the series to kind of bring it back down to ground level again as we talk about ordinary life and making meaning out of it is a conversation we alluded to last week, this idea that sometimes when you are doing the work where your body has kind of pushed ahead and your soul is trying to catch up, there is a bit of chaos you've left in your wake. And so Christy had referred to like closets where just crazy things have been shoved mm-hmm. in or drawers. <laughs> yeah. And I think about we have many spaces in our house that look that way. And part of emerging from the writing now is weirdly the sense of anticipation to go into these places and create order again, to calm the crazy in our pantry or in our, why is my bathroom closet like there are things in there that I don't understand why they would be in a bathroom closet is disturbing (laughs) to me Um, but I think maybe that's the last of these conversations because it does tie as we head into summertime as a lot of sort of a reset is happening for a lot of us think it connects with some of what our lived experience is, uh, Christy and I. So it's fun to anticipate those conversations. It is. And I hereby make a promise in front of you, Lisa Joe, and our listeners. I hereby swear that I will have cleaned up the Christmas wrapping by the time <laughs> that conversation airs. In June. You can hold me to it. That's awesome. Hold me to it because it, it's still here. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, dear listeners, we hope you find comfort and rest in these conversations too. We love hearing from you. The f- I like to just think of it only as five. I know that there's quite a lot more, but five feels safe to me. So the five of you out there, <laughs> thank you for listening and leaving reviews. <laughs> thank you, friends. <laughs>